Hello, and thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. My name is Billy Newman. I'm a photographer based in Oregon. I do a lot of landscape work. And uh, this image was taken in California on a trip that we did to Mount Shasta, to the east side of Mount Shasta, which is kind of a, a really cool spot. It's kind of interesting near the town of Mount Shasta, near the town of McLeod, if I remember right. There's a lot of good stuff over there. A lot of good camping, too. There's a lot of, um, I think it was the Shasta Trinity National Forest that stretches out over there. So there's a lot of public land that uh, that's developed enough and accessible for, for a number of things you can do for summer recreation. It was pretty cool. I remember going up to a lookout tower up there, checking out some stuff. I think there's a fire lookout tower. Some old timer was up there, too. But this image was taken on Government Camp Road uh, in the evening as the sun was setting. And this is kind of looking up to the... I guess it's the east face of Mount Shasta on the east side. Uh, and it's a really beautiful spot, but I kind of love the angle of it there, kind of the sweep that the mountain had. And I tried as hard as I could to sort of to sort of square that up the way I wanted and match that up with the trees and the grass and the shadows and get some of those tones. But this was shot on that N80 film camera. Some of my best images from one of the cheapest, most, I don't know, just common cameras that are out there. Really cool stuff, and I love that I got it. It was really fun. Reminds me a lot of great stuff from that trip. It was cool. You can see more of my work at billynewmanphoto.com. You can check out some of my photo books on Amazon. I think you can look up uh, Billy Newman under the authors section there and see uh, some of the photo books on film, on the desert on surrealism, on camping, some cool stuff over there. We did like a bunch of traveling and we recorded a bunch of stuff, which was pretty cool. It was kind of a special project. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Marina, what kind of special work were we doing? It was super cool. We were doing some 360 video and photo recording. And it was really cool. Yeah, it was really interesting doing that. I did like a little bit of a podcast talking about the idea 360 video and, and some of the GoPro Fusion stuff. But yeah, it was really interesting um, having the GoPro Fusion for for a week. We rented it and uh, we went around and we shot like a bunch of footage all over Oregon and a whole lot of different spots of, uh, of some of like the natural areas that we've been where we've, we've had like the the just, I don't know, it's probably like the more high profile locations for landscapes in a lot of the, the areas in Oregon. So it was really cool getting to run around and uh, maybe be some of the first people to shoot um, some high end or higher quality 360 footage in those areas. Yeah, I think so. Definitely. I think there's some of the spots we got to that uh, I don't think I really see many regular photos from. Yeah. Yeah. Not many people yeah, really go there cool in the first place. Yeah. And and really some of those locations were, were, were incredibly beautiful. Like I was thinking about, Definitely. I was thinking about like uh, sister's rock that we did at the end that, that evening was just so cool. But just the, uh, the, the way that the 360 video virtualizes is really interesting to, to look at it. It's kind of a, a neat kind of optical effect when, you know, you get to look out and you get to kind of turn your head and see just sort of this, the field of view that you would see if you were experiencing the place, if you were traveling there. But it's really fun to get to see, especially in, in certain locations, you know, where you really get to turn your head and see different uh, aspects to the environment that are going on. Like yeah. when there's something going on. Yeah, it was, it's really cool. Uh, what a great job we, uh, the GoPro uh, camera does. 
Yeah. Just with the quality of it, it looks so real and so beautiful. Yeah, I was really interested in uh, in how it was going to do, but uh, but yeah, the GoPro Fusion is I think uh, the the newest offering from uh, the GoPro camera company, and and you know they have they have their the regular. Uh, you know, two dimensional systems still too, but, uh, but the three, three D six system is really interesting. It's not, th- sorry, it's not three D, but it's a 360 degree spherical image. It's built. I was talking about an equal rectilinear image that's stitched together from two cameras that record 180 degrees of your field of vision. And then that's brought into the computer and stitched with the special software, the, uh, the fusion studio software. And it's really interesting how it works, but I think all of this is really pretty new. If I understood right from, uh, from like the, the invoice and what I understood about GoPros, uh, these cameras really have just come out. I think it was, it was marked as the, the, like the innovative product of the year at CES this year. So about back in January, it was kind of pre-announced and it went, you know, went some, some more, you know, it's interesting. But, uh, but I think it has really just come out for release in April now. And then, so we're probably some of the first people to, to even rent it from this company that has it available. So it was cool, yeah, last couple of weeks of, uh, of May and uh, yeah, trying some of the new technology out. But the GoPro Fusion is probably the most adept 360 camera that's available for consumer use right now. And I think there was the other camera, the Rilo, which is a 360 degree camera that also has some of the video gimbal stuff that the GoPro has, but really I think the GoPro is higher end and there's just, it seems like every time I've, I've not used the GoPro system, I've had a little bit more trouble, but I was really impressed with how it works. So that's really the only 360 system I've used. There's also the Theta camera built by Ricoh that does 4k video and that's a little bit less expensive. I think that's been out for a couple of years. Um, but, um, but I don't think that's the gimbal system, you miss the, the stepping, um, kind of image stabilization. Man, that made a huge difference for our videos. We were able to watch them. Yeah. I guess you can preview them yeah. um, on your phone with an app. Yeah. Um, just fr- directly from the camera. And it looks awesome, but you can see the motion from right. the stepping and stuff a little bit. And uh, it's cool when you process it through your computer and, and see the, the effects of everything. The full stabilization is really impressive and it really makes it possible to have like a, a walking or moving video in 360. And I think, I think otherwise, given, uh, given like the change in access that would happen, you know, like as, as the camera moves through the 3D field and it's, it's Z axis changes or you kind of spin the camera a little bit, then it kind of throws the rest of the access off is how it would be without stabilization. But with stabilization, you're really virtualized in that location and you're kind of independent from the movement of the camera, which is what's really amazing about the way that it's able to do some of the recording, which which really gives you a much more immersive feel when you're watching the video because you can move the camera independent of any kind of jerky motion that the the camera recording had in it, which really makes possible for, for videos that are moving. I think otherwise, uh, it would almost be nauseating to have video that was moving unless it was on some other kind of gimbal system. You yeah. Know, that, that's why probably you've really seen only only like kind of standstill videos up until this point that are related to 360 video. And what's really cool about the, the GoPro 360 is that it really provides you so much opportunity to do moving videos that look really good in this 360 immersive environment in 5.2K. So like when we're, we're compressing down to 4K, it's cool, but oh my goodness, does it take forever on this little laptop? <laughs> yeah, it does. Rendering takes so long. Yeah, so we had it going overnight. 
Um, so it's not a bad, I have a MacBook Pro. It's like a, it's a couple years old now, but there's really not, I mean, there's a few improvements in the MacBook Pro line, but not that many. And I would have had other problems if I had upgraded anyway, but uh, this one isn't like the top of the line by any means. It's capable, but the graphics card, I guess, in a laptop really crushes through fine in HD video and anything else that I've thrown at it to do editing and Final Cut. It's amazingly fast compared to the video editing system I would have had like in high school or college or something like that. Um, so I'm impressed with what I can do, but uh, I upgraded the, the final, upgraded Final Cut 10.4, which is the version that can handle some of the 360 footage. Um, I also installed the GoPro Fusion Studio app, and really it's the process of, of stitching the video together that takes the longest time. So there are enormous files to start with. I think just over the weekend we recorded like 200 gigabytes of files that we put into the and onto the drive. Yeah, it was a huge, huge amount. amount. Yeah. Um, and then so those have th that's just before anything's done with it. So I guess it's, you know, it's a higher quality video, but that then has to be stitched together into an even larger file. And then that has to be brought into your editor and then compressed or edited or rendered together. So all that takes a ton of time. And so but rendering the stitching is what seems to take the longest amount of time. And it, I guess we had it going all night. I think we got in minutes, let's say, maybe six minutes of video for about eight hours of rendering, something like that. But it's a lot of rendering time just for this little computer. And you can see it going. I have this uh, this program, this uh, like iStat monitor program that shows you uh, like what some of your system components are running at. But it's just kind of pegging my uh, my graphics system on this laptop. And so I hear that you really have to have a ton of horsepower power to get through a lot of the 360 video. Maybe that's some of the stuff you would have been hearing too about how you have to you have to really, that's really where having like a higher um, capability computer is, is, you know, where you see an advantage in doing this level of rendering. Yeah, my laptop uh, can't even handle what we're trying to do. You need minimum eight gigabytes of RAM. And then it helps to have an SSD so you can pull the video through faster or something like that. And then you have to have a dedicated graphics card, I believe in the system and it any gosh yeah even with a, a pretty modern system it is extremely slow versus you know a lot of other kind of editing rendering system that, uh, that exists right now but i think it's like one frame a second so if you're to think of like uh, video is 30 frames a second i think it's rendering one frame out a second one i guess 360 degree spherical frame uh, or you know equa rectilinear that word that we were learning a little bit about so after it stitches it together, it makes that equirectilinear image of the two 180s sort of mapped onto a rectangle. Really interesting how it's doing it. But it's, it's fascinating to go through all this stuff. It's really fun uh, working with the GoPro camera stuff. But So yeah, this weekend we did like a bunch of travel stuff to try and produce some videos and photos and, and kind of make like a portfolio for some of our 360 stuff. So we traveled. Where was the first place we went? We went to like Sahaley Falls? Yeah, what really was that cool like? spot. It was cool. It's beautiful. Um, it was our second time being there, but our first time was just uh, a few days before that. So it was a new spot uh, to us, which was cool. Yeah. Um, it's along the Mackenzie River, and uh, it's a really beautiful place. It's a waterfall just right off the trail. And it's cool because you can climb down from the trail. Uh, there's a kind of self-made trail from, I think, people going yeah. back and forth down there. Yeah. Um, but it's really cool. It's just a big waterfall, and uh, it kind of goes into a river that drops off into another little tiny waterfall. I don't know if you'd count it as a waterfall. 
It's a waterfall. It's a little fall. <laughs> it's a beautiful um, spot. It was really cool. I liked I liked the the way that that looked, and and it was interesting kind of learning from that as kind of a composition experience for 360 video, or for making a 360 image is sort of being in the bowl of the action. Right. Seems to be kind of an interesting way to produce it, where you have something to look at. Let's say if you were mapping it onto the face of a clock, you have something to look at at your 12 o'clock, but also something to look at at your six o'clock, so that there's a reason to sort of to sort of pan and, and move the camera and the frame of the field around? Yeah, it's a 360 photo or video. So the point is that you look in every direction. Yeah. So and you really have to worthwhile. produce it for that. Yeah. Yeah, there has to be something interesting. Yeah. That was interesting about looking at a lot of the, let's say, the viewpoints that are set up for, let's say, the, you know, the, the perspective that would be taken for a photograph, let's say. Um, that and those really don't seem to work very well for composing these 360 images. So I guess that's kind of the tip or the thing that I learned pretty quickly is uh, when trying to put it together, you, like you can't be back up against the trail or back up against the road or something like that to, to kind of view out toward whatever the subject is. Let's say the waterfall in this case, because um, really what you experience most of is 180 degrees of just a trail and, and dirt and trees and things that aren't really that. Uh, that interesting visually to look at. So it's interesting trying to trying to mediate all of those different angles that you could look at in a 360 degree view, which is where you really have to think about the, the method in which you're composing the image a lot to put yourself in a position where there's something pretty at all angles of view that you have. Isn't it difficult to think of, you know, like in photography, you just have to try and worry about getting, getting just that little bit to look good in composition, but in 360, you have to think about every, every field of it, every part of the field of view. Yeah. It was a fun and uh, interesting additional thing to think about with composing something that's like visual media. It is really fun, but it's a challenge. It's, um, I don't know, I guess it's just a different type of perspective of, of trying to, to think of something that looks good. You know, something that a lot, well, like looking at 360 video, a lot of people don't seem to notice that part of it yet. Um, right, there'll there'll be like a a background that's just a driveway or parking lot sure, or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Where uh, where so that's why I'm seeing like some of the the successful um, the successful elements of 360 video are bringing you into an immersion of it. And uh, of course, you know, of course, that's what you do. But so it was interesting going through and, uh, and trying to produce some of that uh, in this way. But even with uh, like some of the the company videos that I did, like trying to walk through and do like a, a tour of uh, a retail location. Um, that was kind of interesting to do where, you know, instead of maybe skirting the side of the building or something, but you just kind of walk right through, but it's interesting where you can, you can have the view 360 degrees around you. So you're really trying to like build an environment where you get to see the perspective. It's cool. Um, so we went to Saheli Falls, we walked the trail around there, which is a, a place also where I learned the same lesson about composition, where the trail is beautiful out toward the river or out toward a lot of angles, but then the trail is also not that it, it's also kind of just a lot of wood or you know a lot of broken pieces a lot of a lot of wood and branches and things that aren't really the forest in its beauty so it's right. interesting to see that yeah when you're using it you really do notice pretty quickly what is not visually interesting or yeah. attractive well you just you, you see all the places around you you would not take a picture of yeah <laughs> like well i wouldn't take a picture of that or that or that or that but that's all in the picture now so so it's interesting to kind of consider that sort of stuff. But that, that's really the, 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 
the challenge, I guess, in trying to do storytelling or composition in photography for 360. But it's but it's also possible too. Like 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 what we were saying, we found is getting to that center position, like a, an area with a creek and a waterfall, is really kind of uh, naturally conducive to being compositionally interesting for some type of 360 VR content where you have. Uh, a semi-static but comprehensible landscape that you're surrounded by. And then in a waterfall, it's sort of a natural position where you're going to have a, a geographical bowl where you're sort of set in with it. It's also going to be green around all of your angles. You know, it's, it's blowing water up and it's sort of making everything green. Um, and then you have like the creek that flows out from that. That's another piece of motion that you get to look at. Um, so all of those kind of pieces sort of work together where you can look up and see like the forest and stuff around you. Um, so that was a really pretty way to shoot that. And uh, it's a really interesting way to kind of look at and visualize what was there. And it's fun to see, you know, afterwards, you're like, well, this is like, this is like what it was when I was there. So it was really fun. Um, but yeah, I like doing the hike stuff along the river there too. I also like the photos that we got from up there. I was talking about that, some of the images, just the still images that we took. Oh, through, just with the just sun through cameras. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, there's a beautiful area. So I'm um, just, you know, obviously like still liking to take pictures. It was really fun to take photos. Yeah, yeah, that definitely. Water. Well, you know, Very like, pretty the spring uh, snow melt is so like crystal clear right now that the water yeah. just looks blue. It has yeah. like a light luminant blue to it. It's cool. Yeah, it was really beautiful. The water was really blue and it was so clear. You could see all of the, the rocks and a lot of the rocks had... Uh, like moss on them, I guess. So it was green underneath the blue water and it was really pretty. Yeah. Yeah. That was a beautiful spot. So th that part of the Mackenzie has always been really interesting. And I think, uh, there on the Mackenzie on, and then I think it's, well, actually, what is it? The, uh, maybe the Calipulia, the Santiam, I don't know. The one that goes up from like, uh, like Corvallis, Albany, that one's really nice too. Or, you know, it's like really mossy and like, or it just looks uh, foresty, that sort of a thing. It looks kind of like a rainforest almost in some of those spots. But, um, but yeah, it's a beautiful spot getting up there. So we traveled to there. We went up kind of in the Cascade area. We went to a bunch of spots. You can check out more information at billynewmanphoto.com. You can go to billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support if you want to help me out and participate in the value for value model that uh, we're running this podcast with. If uh, you receive some value out of some of the stuff that I was talking about, you're welcome to uh, help me out and send some value my way through the portal at billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support. You can also find more information there about uh, Patreon and the way that I use it. If you're interested or, or feel more comfortable using Patreon, that's patreon.com forward slash billynewmanphoto. data management stuff that maybe we can talk about some other time of like how to use hard drives, how many you need, how many backups you need, how to like re-archive stuff and probably just talk about it. Like the trouble, like, cause we're not experts, but just the trouble that we have of trying to sort out the hard drives that we have and like where the data is. Do we have duplicates of it? Like, I think you were talking about that today of the duplicates that you have in yeah. files in the archive. Yeah. I've been putting together. I'm also trying to get in shape for 2018. I don't have my photo work for that year. So uh, I've been putting together an archive of all my stuff. And yeah, I'm at that point where I really just have to weed out all the duplicates that I have of so many things. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely there too, where there's so many different little parts of files that have been made from the original raw file that was taken, like the, the original photograph. 
there's so many derivatives of that that have come out of it over the, over time especially if it was a photo that i liked that i ranked highly you know and that i'd already exported there's already copies of that as a jpeg or some other like smaller web-sized thumbnail right. of it. yeah i have a lot of different sizes yeah and that's the one that i'm trying to get through right now i'm, I'm going to try and go through this catalog and i'm going to try and sort it out so that i pull like the the top few thousand photos of the last decade that are the raw files that I really want to be able to work on or get access to or make new versions of or prints of or something, whatever that might be, but just to have access to kind of quickly or, you know, like, oh yeah, these are all the memories that I'm really after. I want those best versions of the files available to me. But a lot of the time I've noticed in that, like, it's really difficult to get to that given like the current archive structure that I have, where it's just all hundred thousand photos that I have. Yeah, I can't really get to stuff in the way that I need to. So I'm going to try and like figure that out where it's all the best stuff that I want to have with me right now. Everything gets archived to the cloud or to some, some cold storage thing or, you know, to some old hard drive that gets shut off or something, but some, some place where we get like everything stored there. And then really just like the last like year or 18 months or so. And like the next six months or so is what I want to be able to like keep on the hard drive that I'm working on. But we should talk about more like hard drive data stuff as the year comes in a little bit closer. Yeah, I know we're planning on, or we're kind of in the process of changing around how our hard drives are set up for uh, all the photo stuff. Yeah, we're trying to get, I think, a little bit bigger stuff. Because like right now I have the four terabyte hard drive here. That's the one that plugs in. And that one's been great for like doing some storage stuff. But now like, you know, like the data rates, uh, it just, the cost comes down so much that you're able to get a really large size large capacity hard drive for not much money and i think the uh like the the cost of that is a lot better than some of the cloud storage stuff and just some of the efforts of uh, trying to put something in the cloud and then trying to pay to keep it there year after year after year i'm really looking for a lot of these things that aren't really super important or super high priority to be able to put in some kind of cold storage thing like this like what we're talking about where we have a backup of it on a hard drive that's kind of put aside that we don't have to worry about too much but kind of like what we noticed, and I think like what uh, one of those burned out cables that's in the trash right now is uh, a, signa- a signal of is that hard drives go bad sometimes. Like that hard drive that we had, that portable one where it burned out at the USB port. Right. It was terrible. Yeah. It's yeah. So Good that, thing there's nothing on it. Yeah. So that, well, yeah. And nothing that we needed. Yeah. At least nothing, nothing that's that, not backed up. There was, yeah. That's the yeah. thing. It, that, there was a back. So if, it would be terrible if, you know, one of these hard drives went where it was the, like the sole, the sole house of all of the data that we have, especially like all of like the decade of photographs that we made and stuff. So I'm really trying to be con- conscious of trying to keep those in multiple places at the same time. So we've done an effort to put those up on the, uh, on like a cloud storage service, which has been okay. I, but I think it's like, oh, it's not the best version of those files. If I understand right, it's like a JPEG version. There's a few limitations around it, if I understood right. But it's um, it's okay. I don't know. We'll try and put a bunch of stuff up on the Prime photo service like that. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask which, uh, which services you're using right now. Yeah, pro- the Amazon Prime cloud services is what I'm trying to use for the photo storage. And uh, they have like unlimited photo photo uploads for a lot of stuff. And we, we put up a lot of stuff. Uh, on that, but you, you kind of keep have you have to make it current. So there's all the stuff from 2016 and 2017 that wasn't really part of that, and so I need to upload all of that content up into the cloud. Oh sure, yeah, you just have to keep 
keep adding to it. Yeah, yeah, I have to keep kind of, I have to keep some of that stuff synced. And I think even still, there's there's a lot of gaps within like 2015 and 14, and that's all just stuff that we can file ourselves, but um, but stuff that, that didn't make it up originally. Um, and so now that I have like this uh, this like new catalog, like so what I what so before I get out of myself, what I did this weekend is uh, yeah, I took the hard drives. I had this one terabyte hard drive that I use as like my portable drive. That's like my storage and stuff like the tank that I have with my laptop when I'm in my bag out on the road. And that has all my photos on it. And it's really just had a copy of like the whole photo archive for a long time. But what I've been wanting to do is update that for 2017 take every photograph I have, every JPEG, DNG file, any, any raw file or photo file that I have on my computer on any of my hard drives. I want to try and condense that down into one set of files that are organized in some way. And so I wanted to, to use Lightroom to do that since Lightroom in its backend, when it, when it brings in files, it'll bring in files from one hard drive and then write them into a new file architecture on another hard drive. And so I tried to take, um, I tried to take everything and I backed it up into the four terabyte hard drive. And then I brought everything back over and I filtered it through Lightroom so that I could get everything put into a new file architecture that matched by um, by like month and date and year of uh, of the file date. And most most of the metadata is correct, but like you know, Marina, like a lot of the metadata for for whatever weird camera or whatever set of film that we had that was scanned by some computer that never had its clock set and still says two thousand two. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of stuff that has the wrong metadata date where it shows up like when my D3's battery died and it said it was 2007 in February again, because that was the first date that that computer knew in that camera. And it just reverted to that date again. That's the worst. It was silly. So it's mis it's misdated, but it's really fine for, for most cases. So I was able to bring all those photos back over, put a new collection together. It was about 500 gigabytes or so. And then I was able to transfer that back over to the, to the larger drive. And then the plan is to wipe the go drive, the one that I have with me all the time. And, uh, and then bring back over, like I was talking about at the beginning, like the top few thousand photos and then everything that I'm kind of currently working on for this year and last year. So there goes our heaters. <laughs> Banging in the background. Bang, bang, bang. Sounds like hammers on a pipe. It really does every time. That is exactly what it sounds like. I you never get used to it. Like when it comes into, into fall. And those start popping. It's pretty funny. All through the winter, all through spring. Still, like it's like in the seventies, late May. Ugh. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so we're trying to do like this collection of archiving all these photos and trying to organize it and put it together. And it's been a fine process so far. But like trying to get your hard drive straightened out, especially when you're a little short on space, because you sort of wait until you start to organize your hard drive until until you're running low on space and you're like, Oh man, I got to do something. I got to move these files around so I can kind of get by still. And that's what I, I was running into problems with too, where it was like every hard drive was starting to get full and I go, Oh man, I got to get like a new hard drive. And like we were just talking about hard drives go bad, especially the portable ones, especially these spinning disc drives. Like the MacBook I have now, that's an SSD. Those solid state systems are going to last a lot longer than the spinning dick disc mechanisms because that magnetic spinning disc plate is going to mechanically fail after some number of miles of revolutions that it makes that the motor does. But the solid state system has the advantage because there's no moving parts and it's just electricity. And so it's really conceivable that there's really no finite point that that drive will fail. 
like most thumb drives or something, optical media, it's kind of like thought that that's going to burn out after 20 or 30 years. You're not really even going to be able to use the disc as it's stored unless it's stored in like a good condition. But thumb drives and other like solid state media, if, if the ROM doesn't lose whatever data was on it, it's likely that, you know, it'd still be readable if it wasn't damaged. So it's kind of interesting, like how different yeah, types of media what's lasting work. and what's not. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Thanks a lot for checking out this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. I hope you guys check out some stuff on BillyNewmanPhoto.com. A few new things up there, some stuff on the homepage, some good links to other other outbound sources, some, some links to books, some links to some podcasts, links to some blog posts. All pretty cool. But yeah, check it out at BillyNewmanPhoto.com. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of the podcast. Talk to you next time.